And now our, our unbelievably believable senior leader, Dave Crone. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. It's a good day. Yeah? Yes, good day. Mm. Don't you wish you had a bottle of Fiji water to drink right now? Yes. <laughs> well, just go to Fiji with me next year. Will you do that? We're planning a trip for next summer. So I put that on your calendar. I'd love to have you go with us into that great nation and uh, touch that nation for the kingdom of God. It'd be a good time. Wow. All right. How many of you are here this morning? Good. Good, good, good. Uh, if you are in our email list, you received yesterday an email regarding uh, some very important legislation that's going on in the state legislature. I ask you to read that very carefully um, and act on it as, as uh, you feel you're to do so. Um, and if you are not part of our uh, email, then I would encourage you to do so. And you can sign up. Uh, you can do that online. Uh, you probably could find somebody out in the foyer that will help you do that today. Uh, and again, uh, take a very close look at that. Uh, it's actually, uh, we're made aware of this legislation through Bethel Church. So we really appreciate what they're doing in this area. Uh, so take advantage of it, please. All right. Thank you. Uh, and I, I want to encourage uh, everyone to be here Saturday morning, particularly with Chris and Kathy from Bethel. Uh, Chris and Kathy are dear friends of ours, uh, and they are uh, very authentic people. And they're going to be talking about a subject that is really uh, important to me, too, and it's having, having our voice in the world that we live in. And, you know, you, your strongest voice comes from when you are authentically who you are. And uh, they'll be talking about those kind of things. So come this Saturday. You do need to register. I think that was said earlier. But you can register in the foyer or you can register online. Uh, It is free, but you do need to register. So I encourage you to register quickly. And it's going to be in here, not in the hangar, where that event usually is. All right. Are we here? Okay. All right. What time is it? Oh, good. Good, good, good. Uh, We're going to continue our topic on legacy. Uh, So let me just quickly review a little bit. Legacy is the testimony of our life. Uh, Deb shared just earlier about her mom and dad and the inheritance that uh, they left for us. And that was was the things that they had gathered during their life that became ours. They left it for us. But their legacy was the way they did that. And the way they lived their life. And the testimony of their life is the legacy we have from them that is far more powerful than our inheritance. And that's the difference. An inheritance is something we leave for somebody, but a legacy is something we leave in somebody. So that's important for us to make that distinction. You will leave a legacy and you determine what that legacy is going to be. Will it be a legacy that somebody has to get over that somebody has to, has to somehow find a way to struggle through? Or will it be a legacy that will propel them into their own legacy and their own destiny? And that's something we get to choose. So you with me? Yes. 
Uh, years, years ago, I, uh, I heard a man, in fact, many years ago, uh, so when I was a young, young man, probably a young teenager, and I heard him say the phrase, your life message. And that stuck with me all of my life and played on, on my heart all of my life until eventually I felt like I had to write the book. And so I did. It's called The Power of Your Life Message. And I didn't realize even at the time that I was writing a legacy book, a book about how legacy is built into the culture of our families and, and of our lives. And I would really encourage you and to get the book if you want to take a journey of your own legacy and be encouraged and strengthened in establishing your legacy as a family. And uh, you can get it at the, in the bookstore. And yes, it's an advertisement. But I wouldn't have written it if I didn't believe in it and believe that it can be helpful to people. We've had people around the world that have... Uh, said it has changed the, the, the trajectory of their families. So I would encourage you to do that if you would like to, just to enjoy that journey. And again, it's in the bookstore. Today I want to talk about, <clears throat> I want to begin a series of lifestyles that build godly legacy. So we're going to talk about how do you build a godly legacy? How do you do that? Because I think it's important not to just talk about legacy, but that leaves us wondering, well, yes, so what? I had this legacy handed down to me, and I know I'm making a legacy, but how am I doing it, and what am I doing it with? So we're going to talk about that, and Ryan and I will be speaking on building blocks of legacy over the next six months or so. Ryan uh, wants to speak, is going to be speaking on three legacies we have responsibility for, and it's going to be a very powerful message. Really encourage you to be here for that in the house, if at all possible. But we're going to be talking about excuse me, building blocks that will include things like serving others, living the authentic youth, you, generosity is living like dad, stewardship of our money, yeah, we're gonna talk about money, your money. Not all of you are smiling. (laughs) Stewardship of money, pursuing divine guidance, the language of legacy, and generational living. We're going to talk about several of those things. But this morning I want to talk about two building blocks that shape our legacy. And we're going to begin by looking at Psalm 61. Now while you're looking for Psalm 61, either in your notepad or your, your phone, or you're actually carrying a Bible. It's, I do want to say that this is a really good book. A friend of mine wrote it. And he wants you to read it. Psalm 61. We're going to look at a few verses there. Uh, while, you're, while you're doing that, I just want to say thank you again to those who have responded so beautifully to the, uh, the opportunity that uh, Ivan Tate presented to us a few weeks ago. And uh, you've responded so beautifully. We're, we are at about three-fourths of the way of fulfilling that, uh, that commitment. So thank you so much for that. I'll, I'll share just a real brief story on that. Uh, we, have, we have some men and, and women that are part of our apostolic 
oversight group, and uh, we used them to bounce ideas off of and to present needs. And, and Ryan and I were in a conversation with two of them just before we presented the need to the congregation here because I wanted their wisdom and I wanted them to be praying for us. Uh, and one of them asked me, what, what size of a, and I, and I wasn't anticipating taking a one-time offering, special offering, but he said, what, if, what would be a one-time offering, the size of a one-time offering that would say to you that the breakthrough has come? Because the issue here is not just having a lump sum of money. It's about reestablishing the culture of generosity, of tithing and, and offering back into the house that has cut, somewhat gotten lost in, in, uh, in COVID. So he said, what, what would be the size of that? And I immediately knew a number in my head. I said 50,000. So on Sunday morning when Ivan decided to receive an offering for the church rather than to receive an offering for himself, when we got to 50,000, I thought I was going to come on glue. Yeah. You see, this is, this is the thing. I can tell you stories of our history of the last 30 years of so many financial miracles that have taken place. But here's the joy of it. We get to experience it all over again. For now, we're building a legacy for now that will pass on to the next generation. These will be the stories that our kids will tell. Come on. So thank you for being part of that. It's, it's really been a joy, a joy, a joy, a joy to, to be part of an, another miracle. I never get tired of miracles. I just never get tired of them. I know maybe you do. I just don't. So Psalm 61, legacy. The context of this verse is really important. And the context is this. David is in a very difficult time. He's king, but he's in a time of pressure, of stress, a great disappointment, and tragedy. Now, many of the scholars believe that this was a time when his son Absalom had tried to take over the kingdom. And David had to leave Jerusalem. And so he's on the run again. And this, that you can see the, the difficulty in David when, he, when you read the first two verses of Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. You ever feel like that? Hear my cry, right? From the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. <sighs> Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Oh, come on. Let me read that again. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. God, give me, give me a place to stand that's firmer than where I'm standing right now. Give me a place that's above so I can have a perspective above my problems, above my situation. Can you hear the cry of his heart? Do you mind if I stop right now? Okay, you do. All right. I will. Sometimes you're just overwhelmed. And it can be through tragedy. It can be through loss. It can be through just pressure, circumstances, disappointments. And you feel like David. Oh, God. I cry unto you. 
place me on a rock that's at a better stable ground than I'm at right now. Give me a perspective that's above my circumstances. Let me see what you see. If that's you this morning, let's just deal with that right now. Stand up. If that's you, you've been in a situation or circumstance or you're just overwhelmed. Maybe you haven't even wanted to admit it because you're going to be the tough guy. You're going to be the tough woman who stands strong, but when, when you touch that little place down inside of you, you know you're overwhelmed and you need a higher place. You need a rock to stand on because the ground is shaking under you and you don't know what to do with it. All of us have been there at one time or another, all of us. But I felt as I just read that this morning. We don't have to be the tough guy. We can cry like David, oh God, give me a stable ground to walk on. Give me a perspective that's above what I can conceive in my own thinking, in my own imagination. Give me a place that's higher than I am. So as I pray for you, it'll do you no good if you don't receive the impartation that God wants to put in you right now. God gives grace to the humble. Your standing right now is an absolute demonstration of humility. I can't do it on my own, Lord. I can't accomplish it without you. So, fathers, I pray for all of us in this room that are standing who have this overwhelming sense of inadequacy. We submit our lives to you. We submit our hearts up to you. And we ask you, lead us to the rock that is higher than we are. Take us to the place of greater perspective. Let us see in this moment that overwhelms us and and just confronts our humanity. God, let us see what you see. Give us the eyes to see what we can't see on our own. To hear what we can't hear on our own. Give us that place of standing in you that David asked for. We ask for it. We cry unto you and we ask for it, oh God. You are our redeemer. You are our salvation. You are our strength. You are our rock. You are the one we stand on and stand in. And we ask for your grace to settle upon us and flow through as a grace to endure and a grace to stand powerfully in our weakness.
Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to give him thanks. Just your own languages right now. If you know, if you have a, if you have a gift of tongues, begin to pray in the tongue that God's given you. Just begin to express it outside. That's it. That's it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. He'll pray through you in a way you don't know how to pray. He'll pray through you in a way you don't know how to pray. Thank you, Jesus. When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrow like sea billows roll you have taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul it is well it is well with my soul. Say it now. It is well with my soul. For I stand on a rock that is higher than I. Thank you, Lord. Just give him thanks. Give him thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm done. Done. Sing us another song. <laughs> uh, used to have a voice. Psalm 61. And I'm going to try to get past verse 1 and 2. In fact, we're going to look at verse 5 through 7, 5 through 8. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever and prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. I want to I read this from the New Living Testament. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me the inheritance of those who fear your name with reverence. You will prolong the king's life, adding days upon days. His years will be like many generations. He will sit enthroned forever before the face of God. Appoint loving kindness and truth to watch over and preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever, paying my vows day to day. Now I want to give you my rendition of what David is saying here. 
And I believe they're congruent with the spirit of what he's trying to say. And it's based on three statements he makes in this passage. First one is, you have heard my vows, O God. It's in verse 5. The second is in verse 6. His years, he's speaking of his own years as king, will be like many generations. And then verse 8, pain my vows day by day. So in a time when David is overwhelmed, he reminds God of this. I've given my word and I am daily keeping my word. And you have blessed me with an inheritance because I honor your name. And now I ask for a legacy, a reign whose influence will span the generations. And notice this, this uh, ask that he has, the basis for his appeal of having a lasting legacy that would go through generations. It's this, I gave my word and I'm keeping my word. So now let's go back to where we ended a couple weeks ago on Father's Day, 1 Kings chapter 15. In this passage, we looked at David's life again. This is later in his life. 1 Kings, in fact, this is later, two, two generations down beyond him. The third generations after David. And we looked at this passage and saw that, that uh, an, an evil king was given a son because of David. Because of David's legacy, Israel was given a son, was given a king by the name of Asa, who would be one of the greatest kings in, in Israel's history. But it goes on here, it says, because David, verse five, it says, uh, verse four, nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord, of, Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and by establishing Jerusalem, because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Here's two things I want to talk about this morning that come out of those two passages. The first thing is he kept his word. This was one of the building blocks of his legacy. He kept his word. The second thing is he made good choices. He made good choices. So let's talk about that. You ready for that? All right. So... The first one is one of the building blocks of a godly legacy is being a promise keeper. It's keeping our word. It's saying one thing and doing the same thing. It's making promises and completing those promises. Keeping our word is moving from declaration to demonstration and implementation. And this builds a godly legacy. Making promises we don't keep builds distrust, disappointment, Unfulfilled expectations, a life message of one that cannot be trusted. Proverbs 25, 14 says this, a person who promises a gift but does not give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Message Bible says it like this, like billowing clouds that bring no rain is the person who talks big but never produces. Like billowing clouds that bring no rain is the person who talks big but never produces. Now, there are a lot of reasons why we don't keep our word. There are a lot of, lot of things that get in the way of that. One, sometimes we forget what we said, right? Yeah, honey, I'll take the garbage out when the game's over, <laughs> right? We forget what we said. Sometimes we get sidetracked or distracted. You know, kids, I'll take you to the park right after I finish this project. 
And then as soon as we finish that project, what happens? It's another project. You say, well, those are just, we're just saying those things. No, those are promises. That's our word given in those moments. Want me to shut up now? Sometimes we lose enthusiasm when we realize that keeping our word is harder than expected. Right? Talk's cheap. Action is sometimes expensive. Right? Sometimes we discover we have a scheduling conflict or we lack the power or resources, resources to do what we said we would do. There are many excuses, excuse me, reasons <laughs> that we fail to keep our word. And it's because we have good intentions, right? I came across this quote. I have no idea who said it. It was, it was marked unknown. It said, people with good intentions give their word. But people with good character keep it. People with good intentions give their word, but people with good character keep it. Let me give you a key here. If you make a promise, have a plan. If you make a promise, have a plan. If you're going to make a commitment, commit to a strategy to fulfill that commitment. And hold yourself to that strategy. And I would really encourage you to allow accountability when you give your word. And, and, and give the person you've given the, your word to permission to check you on it. Even if it's your wife. Just saying. Right? Or, or tell somebody else that you trust that you've made this particular commitment and you give them permission to check with you. Right? Because we do have these reasons that we fail to keep our word. We need accountability in this area. I was on a phone conversation with Mark, a Zoom conversation with Mark Crawford. I speak to him every two weeks. And this was about two months ago. And he, he suggested something to me. He said, I think this will help you bring closure in this area that you're struggling with. And he gave me a, a way to do it. And I said to him, I'll do that. What was I doing in that moment? I was giving my word that I would follow through. Right? Uh, two weeks later, we're on the phone call, on the Zoom call. And he says, well, uh, well, what? Did you do it? Well, I've been thinking about it. Right? He said, okay. I'll check with you in two weeks. Within those two weeks, I did it. And he was right. It was helpful. It's important to give people permission to check on the commitments you make. It's not a matter of getting in your business. It's a matter of holding yourself accountable in these areas. So if you make a promise, have a plan on how to keep that promise, make that promise. Now, you might make that promise in the moment and realize, oh, what did I just say? Well, then you got to come up with a plan, right? And don't hesitate. Do it. Follow through quickly. So now let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Oops. Matthew 
Matthew chapter 5. And uh, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven or, or by God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is, is, it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Well, look around the room, folks. Can't do it permanently anyway. Verse 37, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. I like the New Living Testament on verse 37. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. And then the Message Bible, love this, this whole passage is, and don't say anything you don't mean. You only make things worse when you lay down a smoke screen of pious talk saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it. Or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. I know, I know. I hate it too. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. One of the things Deb and I have learned, and I, I would love to say we've done it all our life. We did, we haven't. We've, we've kind of learned through our own failures in this area, is when we commit to somebody that we're going to pray for some, about something, we've committed to do it immediately. Immediately. And, and not just add the little prayer things on the text, right? Little prayer things. They're sweet, aren't they? Really sweet. And you can, if you add more of them, right? That's even better. And then you add a little heart on the end. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not your prayer. Immediately, take a moment to pray. And sometimes we've done that and it's been a very brief prayer. I mean, it's just very brief because we're in the middle of something or talking with someone else or in a meeting or something like that. But we know we can always come back to that and have a deeper level of intercession for them. But we're going to keep our word. Yes, I'll pray for you. And if I can, it's right then. Can I pray for you right now? Do you see how important this is? And how easy it's, it is to not do that. Right? I won't ask for hands raised. But we all know that we've done that. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. This is uh, from the Amplified Version. Little children, believers, dear ones, let us not love merely in theory with word or with tongue, giving lip service to, com- to compassion, but in action and in truth, in practice and in sincerity, because practical acts of love are more than words. Wow, that's good. It is good. You know, Ivan Tate, you know, you, Ivan Tate is such a dear friend of the house. Uh, he's a man who loves to tell you he loves you because he does. But his love goes far beyond that. 
when Amy passed away, Amy and he had been really good friends. And we hadn't known him a long time, but they had connected really well. We'd connected with him. And he'd come stay in our home and leave saying, I love being with you guys. I just love you guys. You're the best in the world. You're amazing pastors. You're, you're amazing leaders. Can I go on? <laughs> and he'd go, yeah, there's a lot of words there. But on the day Amy died, get a call. Dave, I'm on my way. Now here's a man who makes his living by the gospel. And he was lined up for services all week long that was going to pay his bills, that were going to help him grow the, the ministry to orphans and widows. And he said, I'll be there. I said, no, no, that's okay. Just pray for us. We're okay. He said, no, I love you. I'll be there. And you don't have to, I won't stay in your home like I normally do. I'll get a hotel room and I'll just be there to help. And he came in for a week. And he was, I always like to describe him, he's like the Holy Spirit. He knew when to speak and when not to speak. And he would, he would show up at our house. We'd have some relatives show up for a, a day or two and he would bring hamburgers and milkshakes and drinks and Taco Bell and just he would bring all kinds of things all the time and it was always like he would come at just the moment when we needed somebody to lean on and then he'd be gone at the moment when we needed to be alone. He was a man who kept his word. You heard him say from this pulpit, I'll pledge $2,000. How many of you will pledge $2,000, right? Remember? Some of you probably thought, yeah, right. Before he left on Monday, he said, take $2,000 out of my honorarium and put it in that. He's a man of his word. And that builds a legacy. Hear me. It's building a legacy that is already affecting this generation. And it's a legacy that God honors. It's a legacy that causes favor with God. When we keep our word to the people around us, it builds a legacy with God and favor with the Lord. Kept his word. Let me, let me talk to the elephant in the room. Some of you may think I'm talking about this today because I want to make sure you fulfill your obligation, that you obligated yourself, the word you gave a couple weeks ago, to give. It's absolutely untrue. I I don't have to do that. We have history, don't we? And we have seen and we have witnessed and we have confidence that all of that will come in. That you will keep your word because you're promise keepers. I know that. I have absolute confidence. I'm not doing it for that. I just want us to know that this is a way to build our legacy. One decision at a time. One kept word at a time. We get to build a legacy that another generation can stand on. And grant favor with God. Did you hear me? 
All of us fail in this area. But I'm going to tell you what I told you a couple of weeks ago on Father's Day. When you fail, own it. And if you need to make up things for it, you need to go to certain people, you need to take care of it, you need to make up for it, whatever you need to do, you do that. But don't let that failure own you. Don't let it dominate your life and overcome your life and cause you to back off. Because God, when you confess your sin, he's faithful to forgive your sin, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He doesn't remember it anymore, so you can't even remind him of it. So stop thinking about it. All right. I have a few minutes. Is that okay? All right. So let's talk about the second thing, choosing well, choosing well. There's, there's a movie, you know, that's come out now, Indiana Jones, right? I haven't watched it, so don't tell me how it ends. I'm going to watch it. I love that series uh, because all of us guys, don't we, we imagine ourselves as Indiana Jones? We do. We do. And then we look in the mirror, but it's Okay can all have our, you know, things. But in The Last Crusade, one of his other movies, there's a scene where they're looking for uh, the Holy Grail, which is the cup of Christ. And they, they come upon this, this cave where there's this crusader, Knights Templar, that has been there for centuries, guarding the grail. And on, there's a table behind him and it has a whole bunch of cups. And uh, Indiana Jones gets there and he's talking to you for a minute. And then this guy who is, who is a Nazi sympathizer comes into the room. And uh, you know, he's the take charge guy. And he looks for the cup that would be the, cup, the Holy Grail. And the, the, the uh, Knights Templar warns him, choose well. And he looks and he finds the cup that he thinks is it because it's the most beautiful cup on the bench. And he picks that up and he goes over to the, the well where it's supposed to be living water to those who choose the right cup. And he dips his cup in there and he drinks it. And you watch as in minutes he becomes ancient and eventually falls as a bag of bones on the floor. And that Knights Templar that's been there, aged man, hardly can stand. He just very quietly says, he chose poorly. He chose poorly. Well, choices have consequences. And we reap the fruit of the DNA of that choice. And we saw when we looked at 1 Kings chapter 15, David made wise choices in obeying the Lord and it had positive impact for generations. But let's go back beyond, much farther back from that moment in David's, in the history following David. Let's go before David, generations before David even existed and see how David's life was impacted by the legacy building block of choosing wisely. So I'm going to read from another book of mine, Heroes of Hope. As she watched her young son play in the dirt outside her family home, this mother and wife reflected on the many blessings of her life. 
Among them was her marriage to Salmon, a respected, respected prince of Judah. Though not born a Jew, she was adopted into the tribe and given a place of honor among the tribal families. This welcomed acceptance into what was usually a closed society was due to her daring through unexpected role many years before in helping the nation of Israel to acquire the territory in which they now lived. Her early beginning certainly did not foreshadow the life she was now enjoying, nor predict the legacy that would follow. As she listened to her son's gleeful laughter, her thoughts wandered to the day that seemed like another life a lifetime ago when two Jewish spies knocked at the door and hope was birthed. Who am I writing about? Rahab, known as Rahab the harlot. Rahab had to make a choice when they knocked at her door. Would she continue in the culture that she had grown up in or would she choose something outside of that and help these two men? She made the choice to help them. She was rescued, as you know, she and her family. Well, she went on and, and, and married a man, a Jewish man, and they had a son. What was the son's name? Boaz. Because of a choice, she birthed Boaz. Now let's go to another story. It's a story of Ruth and Naomi. Ruth is a great book, by the way. I really encourage you to read it. It's another one that my friend wrote. It's really good. Naomi and her husband Judah had come from from Bethlehem and moved to Moab. They came with their two sons. Their two sons married and uh, lived for a while until... Her husband died and the two sons died. This made Naomi very bitter. In fact, she wanted to change her name. No longer call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. And she decides she's going to move back to Bethlehem, which is her hometown. Ruth was one of the daughter-in-laws that had now lost her husband. And she had to make a decision, stay where it was comfortable, where her family, or old family was. Or move in with a bitter mother-in-law. Now that's a choice. And move to a country she'd never been to. Ruth made a decision. She made a choice. And she chose to go with her mother-in-law. And they come to Bethlehem. And they meet a man by the name of Boaz, who was there because his mother made a decision to choose to help the spies. They made a choice. Boaz then found out that Ruth could be redeemed, which meant she could become part of the family. And he chose to redeem her. They got married and they had a son by the name of Obed. There's a beautiful scene at the end of the book of Ruth where Mara, Naomi, was sitting holding Obed. 
this once bitter woman who had thought she had lost it all is now holding her grandson, Obed. Obed was the great-grandfather of King David. Choices. Choices. Choices make a difference. They're the building blocks of legacy. Let me tell you a story. And I'll conclude. I promise. I will conclude. I promise. I'm going to hold myself to my word, but I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to conclude. Hallelujah is right. <laughs> so we had uh, made a decision, a choice to leave the denomination that we were, had been a part of it for 34 years, Deb and I, which meant that this church would then withdraw from that denomination. It was, it was a very difficult decision for us to make, but we had prophetic words and we had prophetic dreams. And so we made that choice. Well, it did not make our denomination very happy. And they would not allow me to resign. Instead, they, what's the word? Uh, Put me on the naughty list. Seriously. And which would mean that I I was not to be allowed to, to speak in any of the churches attached to that denomination. And they were not allowed to bring their missionaries or anything here. And so I was, I was uh, blackballed. And in the process of that, they did that in a way that actually violated their own constitution. And the, the, there's something rose up inside of me. Like, this is not right. This is not legal. My justice part just jumped up inside of me. And I was, I had in my mind, you can relate to this, in my mind, I had constructed a letter that I was going to respond that was so good. <laughs> I had it all worked out that they, they, would, they would fall down in conviction. I knew it. I can put words together. Woke up early one morning, heard the Lord say, staying where you are is not an option. I thought, that's, that sounds like a good sermon title. And it happened to be a day I was preparing a message for the next week, and I, I looked through the scripture for all kinds of support for that. Couldn't find anything said, this Bible has no messages in it. (laughs) By noontime, I was so absolutely frustrated that it finally dawned on me. And I said, Lord, you're talking to me, aren't you? (laughs) He said, yeah. It was one of the clearest dialogues with the Holy Spirit I can remember. I said, you're talking to me. He said, yes, I am. I said, "You're, you're talking about this thing with the denomination, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. You notice how he just doesn't explain himself totally? 
right? He just very cryptically leads you from one thing to the other. So I said, okay, then this has to do with my destiny and my legacy, doesn't it? He said, yes, it does. I said, if I send this letter, this is going to, I'm not going to reach what you really want me, what you want me to become. He said, that's right. I said, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to write a letter of appreciation. I said, that must not be God. (laughs) I think I'm hearing the enemy. I did not want to write a letter of appreciation because in the moment I was not appreciating. I didn't want to do it. See, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to say I did this wonderful thing. I didn't want to do it. Got it? But I knew I had to. So I let, wrote a letter. And by the time I got done writing, I really was thankful. 34 years with that denomination. I love the men and women of that, church, of that denomination. All of that. We didn't leave because we hated them. We leave because God said to. So I wrote that letter. Two things happened. We started a ministry in Fiji. You're well aware of it. And it was with this denomination, same denomination. After we'd been there for, I don't know, almost 20 years, and we'd started our school and had the school had been running for about eight years. I, I got a notice from my, the guy who runs our school, Keeley. You've met Keeley. And he said, the, assembly, the, the denomination, sorry, the denomination here in Fiji has said, if I continue to have a relationship with David Crone, I will lose my papers, my ordination. He said, I have told them that I will not stop having a relationship with David Crone. So I said, okay, what's the problem? He says, we, I really don't know. So I, I flew over to Fiji and uh, looked for the superintendent of the denomination who happened to be a man that we have ministered to and with for many years. And uh, he was trying to stay away from me. <laughs> and I found him. He was in a resort area, hiding in a resort. But I found him, showed up. He goes, oh, Bula. I said, yeah, Bula Bula. <laughs> we sat down and we talked for about a half hour. And I said, what's, what's the issue? He said, well, we got a letter from the denomination in California saying that you're a problem. I said, okay, so what have I been, how have I been a problem here? He said, well, you know, they had no, they had nothing. And he said, I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll just look at the fruit of what you've done here. I said, okay. You know your daughter, married daughter? He said, yeah. I said, she attended our school last year. She's part of the fruit. She did? Yeah. I said, okay, we'll look at the fruit. But he said, 
what we'll do is we'll ask the district in California to send your file. And we'll read through your file. What do you think was in that file? A letter of appreciation. What would have been in that file? Choices. Choices. And that was all restored. In fact, we're doing conferences right now in the denominational churches all over Fiji. They're asking our team to come and teach them. About a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, I don't see him, I think he's overseas right now, uh, Justin, Justin Kagan. He was talking to me about, in fact, Justin is, is a Jew, and uh, Jewish Christian, and he was telling me that when he got saved, his mom you know, essentially said, you're no longer a Jew. So he really backed away from his Jewishness, if you will. And the Lord began to deal with him about, about the heritage that is in him because he is a Jew. And it was important that he tap into that heritage again. When he said that, the Lord spoke to me about my heritage in that denomination of 34 years. So I want you to tap into it again. So I gave a call to the district office and I said, I'd like to meet with the superintendent, assistant superintendent, if they're available sometime. She said, that'd be fine. She called me back. She said, "Uh, yeah, they would love to come down and meet you in your church and see what you're doing there. Well, this was a totally different attitude than we'd had before. Before it was, you come up to our place, you sit in our office, you sit in the little chairs, we sit in the big chairs. Intimidation, right? They said, oh, I said, okay. So we invited them to come down. We met in the office and we we chatted with them for three hours. Had a wonderful conversation. And we never really talked about why we left and all of that. We just talked about what God was doing. And at the end he said, I don't know why you are not allowed to resign but I'd like to look into it if you will allow me. I said, yeah, that's fine. He said, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at your file. (laughs) Choices. So I started a process over the next two years and about, I don't know, maybe a year ago now, I get a letter from the national office of that denomination saying we bless you, we bless your ministry, we just encourage you, we thank you for the years that you've spent with us and we bless you. And they lifted. Choices. You never know what a choice is going to do. It builds your legacy. Stand up. Please, please, please. I can tell you stories of other choices that went the other way. 
because we all make those kinds of choices from time to time. And we get come back to that. When we've made a wrong choice, own it, but don't let it own you. Don't let it own you. We do often live with the consequences of our choices, right? Even when we have recognized them as wrong. And we have done everything we know to do. But the choice still has consequences. But here's the wonderful thing about God. Psalms 107, one of my favorite psalms. Read it when you get a chance talks about four different ways in which we find ourselves where the consequences of our action are bringing destruction. The last one is through circumstances not of our own making. But in every one of those, God never talks about who's at fault. When they cried, said when they cried to the Lord, he heard their cry and he rescued them. He restored them. He brought them out of the storm and into a safe place. In every one of them, it doesn't say when they call to the Lord, he says, okay, now let's talk about who did the wrong thing here. It doesn't do that. It just said he hears their cry. And it goes on to say, oh, give thanks to the Lord for his goodness repeats that several times throughout there because there is such a goodness to the Lord he wants to take he wants to lift off the burden of that wrong choice and let you live in freedom because that's who he is so if you're living under the weight of a wrong choice and you've done everything you just did what you knew to do about fixing it or maybe you need a strategy you need God to show you how how do I deal with this I've repented of it but there's there's stuff lingering how do I deal with it maybe you need that or you just don't know what to do and you need to be relieved of the the weight that the enemy wants you to carry regarding that choice or decision This is where God comes in. <laughs> he loves to do this. Okay. So here's Psalms 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and the south. And then he goes on and describes four different ways we get lost, four different ways we become disobedient, four different choices that are not really the best choices. Goes all the way through that. And he ends with this. He turns rivers
He turns the wilderness into pools of water. (laughs) Dry land into water springs. Then he makes the hungry dwell that they might establish a city for the dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards. Listen, those places of choices that you still live under are unfertile places that God wants to make fertile. That they may yield a fruitful harvest. He so blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. That's where he wants to put you. So if that's, you know, you're just like, yeah, there's this thing that just got to can't get over. Just lift your hand like this, this, this many, or if you have more than two, raise them all. Yeah, because right now we're just going to say, we're just going to allow God, and we're going to just say this, God, you are good. We give thanks to you for you are good. We give thanks to you that your mercy endures forever and that we are redeemed will say so. You've redeemed us, Lord. And even in this situation where we have made the mistake, it's been our fault. But you don't even ask if it's been our fault. You just say, you will take us. You will take us from that place and you will put us in to a place where that which has been dry will be watered. That which has been diminished will be increased. Thank you, God. You will make us to dwell in places and establish cities and become fruitful again in places where we have been unfruitful because of this burden that we're carrying. Lord, we just release now that burden off of our hearts. In Jesus' name, we declare them gone. And a clarity on how to walk forward from this time on. A strategy on how to deal with this righteously. With your redemption settled in our heart. We are at wit's end at times. But you, you, you will turn our wilderness into a pool of water. And barren fields into fruitful land. You will do that, Lord. We thank you that you are our Savior, our Redeemer. We will do it. You will do it in us. We thank you in Jesus. We thank you in Jesus. We thank you in Jesus. Thank you in Jesus. If you're here this morning, you just have just, you've carried a burden because you've made some really, really bad choices. I like everybody bow their head. You've really made some bad choices. And you've ignored the word of the Lord to you. You've ignored his call to you. Because you're just like, I can do this on my own. But you realize you've walked into places that should never have been. And those choices have, have left you raw. Struggling to find footing in life. And you want to say, I, I need to come back to where the Lord is. I need to come back. I need to be, I'm the prodigal who needs to rush back to the Father. Let the Father embrace me. That's you this morning. Well, heads are bowed. Just raise your hand right now. I just want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So those of you who have raised your hand, and those of you who are just all of us in the house, let's just say this. Father, I thank you that you... Do not put my sin upon me. 
but you redeem me and give me the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So I thank you as I ask you to come into my life and let's walk together. I know you love me and I receive your love now and your forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. all stand. Thank you for your patience this morning. We've run over a little bit, a little bit of time. So let's uh, need to go get our kids, rescue the perishing over in the children's department. But I love you. Thank you so much. Ministry team, if you can come forward. I know Dave and Phyllis are not here today, but I know you are ready. You are prepared. So thank you for coming. If you would like prayer this morning, you want somebody to agree with you, if there's something that happens when we agree together in prayer for over needs and situations, healing, we see healings here all the time. Love to pray for your, your body if you need healing or any other situations. Come on down. Love to pray for you. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. Choose well. Keep your word. You'll build a legacy that will last for generations. God bless you. See you next week. Remember, Chris and Kathy Valentin, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock, Saturday morning.